The stove is so hot, people at the winter meetings are falling asleep. One team isn't even in Nashville right now, and the Guardians are talking about which players won't be playing for them quite as often next year instead of talking about players they could add at the winter meetings. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Over there is Justin. I am Jeff. I want to thank you for making today's Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcast. And to thank some of our everydayers in the comments. Uh, I saw a Kurt Smith uh, yesterday uh, commenting, uh, as well as uh, Space Lab. I saw how to return recently after not seeing them for a bit. So make sure to be an everydayer in the comments watching we are 51 away from 2000 so help us cross that barrier gain about four to five a day so uh you know at our 10 more days right five a day be about 10 more 10 to 11 days so let's make sure we knock that out by the end of the winter meetings let's aim for that uh at least someone should do something productive there there are people <laughs> falling asleep there was a report in the media room people were falling asleep and snoring that's how good the winter meetings are going and the Blue Jays aren't currently even Ross Atkins, former uh, former Cleveland director of player development, not even in in Nashville. But that's there's like speculation that they're in an undisclosed location meeting with Shohei Otani. So this is this sport is so weird. Okay, Shohei Otani would be the biggest attraction in the NBA. Like he would essentially be LeBron James, or I don't know what the NFL equivalent is anymore. Like- but he's also like something that has never existed before. That's what's so crazy about him. Like, yeah, LeBron is, is, you know, don't get me wrong. He's like one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Maybe the greatest small forward in the history of the game, but we've seen similar players. Otani literally hasn't existed in 50 years. Like a guy who does what he does on both sides. It'd be like, if we had a, you know, it's like if Tom Brady was also an all pro safety, it's it just, it's, it's unbelievable in that regard. And he's not at the winter meetings. He's not going to sign at the winter meetings. Nobody knows who he's meeting with and where, and maybe it's the Blue Jays. But, of course, baseball, it would be like, any other sport, this would be a spectacle about who he's going to sign with. And in baseball, it's like, yeah, we don't know. And and maybe he wants it that way. So, you know, it is what it is. He's Maybe he learned from Mike Trout. He wants to keep a, a low profile. If he learned anything from Mike Trout, he would learn to get the heck out of out of the Angels organization. But uh, who knows? It would be great if we were covering a team that was interested in Shohei Otani, because in theory, all 30 teams should be interested because there's no player like him and everybody would be better with him on their team. But here we are talking about players that the guardians are paying that might play less next year. So uh, the first thing we really got from a little bit of news coming out of the winter meetings was that the guardians had their end of the meeting, uh, end of the season meeting with miles straw. And they talked about, uh, he might not be the regular center fielder next year if things don't improve. It was a pretty awful year for Miles Straw. Here's the problem with this. This is this is the problem overall with Cleveland. If you look back at anybody they signed to a contract, right? Let's go back to Swisher and Bourne and Ball. I guess they didn't sign a Ball to miss that contract, but they they had him under club control uh, through the end. So I think he didn't he sign an extension with the Rockies before he got traded. I think that's what it was. Um, Mike Zanino. Yes. Just- and any any player that has had a multi-year contract with Cleveland, uh, Travis Hafner, even though you know there are a lot of times he couldn't play, but 
anybody Cleveland has invested any money into beyond the club control level or the team friendly extension level, which, okay, the mouse draw deal is still team friendly. Let's be honest, but it's not great for a player for what you're getting from him, but they, they play these guys because they invest money in them. It's like the, we already heard that Mike Zanino was, was here as long as he was here last year, that some people in, in the team wanted to pull the tr- pull the court out from under that one sooner than other people wanted to. I won't name names, but we could, you could probably guess who. Um, and But Cleveland has a tendency to want to get more out of these investments, and they've they've played the heck out of Miles Straw the last three years, and the last two years it's been pretty pretty putrid. Uh, so they said that if it doesn't improve, he may not be their regular center fielder next year. That'd be quite the development. I mean, I, nobody wants this contract. Nobody. The only way they're getting rid of Miles Straw is if uh, if somebody gives them a bad contract back. Like, let's be real about this. Even if they're not going to play him for 500 at bats next year, don't act like they're going to DFA him. Like, there's still too much money owed to DFA him. Even though they they were able to get out from under Josh Bell's deal. They only did that because they were, it took back Gene Segura's money. Um, so this is team. It's not they're not going to cut him. They're not going to just say sayonara. Like he shouldn't start for any team in baseball, really. But Cleveland has the money invested in him, and they usually pay play these guys if they pay him. Um, but they're not going to DFA him. They're not going to get rid of him. So if he no, sits and, on the bench, like, he's just an expensive bench player. And it's it's dumb to cut him because again, there's still value in the profile. Like it, to. To take something there is value in the profile and get nothing for it, essentially make it because Miles Straw is going to play in the big leagues, if not for Cleveland, for somebody else because of the speed defense combo. Was the defense up to up to where it has been? No. Was the speed up to the stolen bases count up? No. But is he still a major league player? Absolutely. Even with his struggles with the bat. Now, he's a 26 man on the roster. I'm not saying this dude should be out there and starting. And they put him on notice. I don't know if they felt like he didn't put in the time last year, and maybe that's why there was some defensive regression and why he didn't steal bases. But, I mean, by reports, it sounds like they put him on notice. And, again, I'm, I, would, I, I saw other people saying, like, oh, let's have him as, like, a trade-in piece on Bieber, Class A to get out from under him. No, absolutely not. We just saw the Mariners get nothing. Absolutely nothing. Cole Phillips is interesting, but for a guy who had Tommy John – spring of 2022 and hasn't pitched at all last year that means he's behind schedule and there's a bigger issue they got a deeply flawed and injured prospect to cut 31 million and then before that they traded their all-star third baseman to get carlos vargas so you can go back and listen to on the show why we said that yeah it's okay that he throws hard but he's not good um so they you don't want to get less by trading straw. I'd rather just keep straw here, keep him as a 26 man, use the defense, use the speed and let Jose keep one buddy on the roster. Um, you know, he was by reports number two to Ahmed and Jose's heart on this team. It's, it felt like um, when there was points discussing trading uh, Ahmed two years ago, I remember someone asking uh, Zach how, how Jose would deal with it. And he goes, well, he does seem pretty chummy with, with straw. Uh, so it's another friend as a 26 man. Yeah. It's a terrible contract, but if we, I like the fact that for once it seems like they're going to realize that they're going to do what's best for the team and not what's, Hey, we're paying him. He's got to be in this role. And I think, you know, they're just letting him know ahead of time and giving him that degree of like, listen, you have not done well enough to earn a spot. You're going to be in a backup role. He's probably, let's be honest though. 
that statement says he's going to get probably about a month. He is going to get one last opportunity. So that means this team is not looking for a center fielder right now. That means that they're probably looking for one bat. The statement wasn't that his job is done. It's that he better prove himself or it is done. So again, what you and I have talked about and people get mad at us. We are not making this choice. We're just saying that when you read it, it's very clear that Straw will get one last opportunity. And I'm hoping to follow through on these words and it doesn't become about money. Because again, he is fine in a uh, backup role. Um, he's fine as a late inning defensive replacement, especially if it's a situation where um, you shift uh, you shift Quan over, you throw in straw and you build an elite defensive outfield for the ninth inning. Like, great, perfect. Go out and do that. Uh, have Brandon and Wright. And then, you know, if, if one of these young, if Valera or Rodriguez works out, then, hey, great, you've shifted, you get out the guys who can't really defend and, and you have value in his role. But hopefully they stick with it. Um, he can work in that limited role. He'll be highly overpaid for it, but um, is I don't, don't, don't want them to be Seattle where they're trading away, you know, a young player who's 23 years old, who had a really good first half and then fell apart, but has a ton of ceiling and an all-star third baseman for cash and two guys who throw really hard, but may not be anything. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it with Cleveland. You're absolutely right. He is going to get, as of right now, I would expect him to get one last chance to be the starter and see if things progress. The problem is, that last two Aprils, he's been pretty good. Like, if you look at his April numbers only from 22 and 23, the April numbers are fine. It's everything that comes after April that's bad with him. For whatever reason, he's a quick starter and everything falls apart. So he may buy himself a couple of months that way unless somebody knocks down the door or there's a better roster composition for them. But I, I will believe it when I see it. They they might have had the end of season meeting with him saying that, you know, your job's not guaranteed and you got to improve and all this. But like I said, Cleveland has shown in the past that they continue to pl- pay, play players regularly if they if they're paying them a significant amount of money. There's no they they when they invest in a player they try to get that money out of them if they're paying them. So I, again, I know it's not a, it's not a huge contract to anybody else, but it's a huge contract to Cleveland considering, like you said, he'd be overpaid in a 26 man role. Um, and, and frankly, you can get out of him. You can get everything out of Ramon Laureano that you could get out of Miles straw um, and, and, and then some, and you've got enough guys who can cover center field now. So Miles Straw essentially is a, a pinch runner and a defensive replacement. So until this team proves otherwise that they're not going to continue to play the guys they pay, uh, I'm just I'm not going to believe it. I, I hope I'm wrong too, but that's generally how they've operated. And I'm you know the thing we need to remember is listen to words, don't listen or listen to actions, don't listen to words. Words don't mean anything. What happens on the field is actually what matters. Don't tell Florida State that. Oops. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I just, I don't buy it. And this is not a contract that Cleveland should have given. And here we are. We'll talk about an outfielder that could be of interest, even though I don't, I'm not super excited about this other outfielder we'll talk about. And we'll talk about if Cleveland even has the money to go after anybody else in a contract here as we continue on Lockdown Guardians. I know we come together to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk just for a minute about preparing for tough situations? 
Whether you're on an extended travel, bracing for major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical. Life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics for Cialis or Viagra. Jace Medical has the Jace case. Let me dig mine out. I keep it on hand over here. Um, make a big mess. I am like the fact that I can get antibiotics so I can have them ahead of time before my inevitable sinus infection comes. Uh, and these can help with specifically bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, right? Right what I'm talking about right here. Skin infections and among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. And it happens to me, unfortunately, regularly. Visit Jace Medical and complete your physical physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacist at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to get prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off your order. Before we quickly move on to our next segment, uh, winter meetings going on down in Nashville. I'm very appreciative, by the way, that this is happening in the central time zone, not the western time zone. I am getting old and I want my news to come at a reasonable hour. And so far there has been no news, but when there is uh, check out locked on sports today, the first ever national sports 24 seven streaming channel. So anything that happens in the winter meetings, you can catch it over there uh, with our pal Sully on locked MLB or any of our local experts from our locked on show. So go to locked on sports today on YouTube, subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 seven streaming channel. Do not expect Jeff or I to be on that channel this week. Cause I don't think the guardians are doing anything, but one of the things that we need to talk about that maybe they should consider is a pre-service time contract for Kyle Manzardo. So the the Brewers, if you missed it this week, locked up uh, outfielder, 19-year-old outfielder at that, Jackson Churio, to an eight-year deal worth $82 million. And it could be up to, I think, 10 years and $102 million uh, if everything vests out there and they pick up the options. And he would be under contract till age 29. He'd still be a free agent at age 30. That would be impressive for everybody he's an exciting player and obviously he is the uh older brother of uh guardians prospect jason trio so not quite ready to talk about a jason trio contract but let's talk about a kyle manzardo contract <laughs> the history of first base contracts jeff as we know for pre-service time deals they're not terrible <laughs> they're pretty bad there's they're been pretty bad now. five of these this is the sixth pre-service time contract we'll put trio to the side because we don't know it's how it's going to work Evan White, who was just part of that salary dump in Seattle, keeps coming bad. up. Uh, bad, John bad, bad. Singleton, who was the first of these and maybe the worst of these, uh, who has finally got back to the big leagues last year uh, in your failure camp. And Scott Kingery, who another one of those Arizona products Ooh, yeah. who, you know, overperformed throughout the minors and college. And there was a point in time where I thought uh, trading for Scott Kingery on that contract was going to be a something the target the Guardian should target because it was such a team friendly contract and it went bad. Uh, the positive side, only the White Sox have been successful with Eloy Jimenez, who maybe should have been a first baseman. And um, why am I blanking Luis out? Louis Robert. I wanted to say Guriel, and I'm like, no, it's not Robert. It's not Guriel. Different Cuban. Uh, Robert. So uh, they worked out for the White Sox. Have not worked out for anyone else so far. I personally, like, how old is Manzardo? I should have looked this up. I, I, he's 23. He'll be 24 by July. I get, I mean, it's kind of weird because like he is relatively young for a college guy because he's moved so quickly. I am probably because he's a first baseman and the relative value of that position is so low. 
unless you can get a crazy good deal, like unless you're getting something like eight years, 40 million or something like that, I'm probably not even approaching him. Like he can't even get like maybe 41. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, you, you can see at the bottom, Evan White was six years, 24. Singleton was five for 10. And that was still viewed as a bad contract. Uh, it was viewed as a bad contract when he signed it. And then quickly people were like, oh, that was a great contract that he signed for him, <laughs> for him in the end. But it was first viewed as a bad one because it's like five years for 10 million. That's nothing. Uh, and then he just, he bombed. So I don't even know, I guess eight for 40 is probably even too much. It's hard to say exactly. I, and this is where I'm terrible. You know, I can, I can look at numbers. I can talk about player production. I can look at how they play. I am really bad when it comes to figuring out contracts and money outside of Trevor Steffens a year ago. Yeah, that was that was a good call. I think on the whole, I'm probably against it. And I, I would also think Kyle Manzaro is against it for, for some of the same reasons Josh Naylor would be. Obviously, they're, they're different players because, you know, Kyle Manzaro doesn't have the injury history, although he did the shoulder injury this year. But he got over that, obviously, because he hit well when he came back and he also hit great in the AFL. Um, doesn't have the, the body type concerns that Josh Naylor has. But if he comes up next year, like, no matter what he does, if he doesn't sign a contract, let's say Cleveland plays service time games for whatever reasons, it would be stupid, honestly, if they don't have because they don't have a better player on the roster that would take his spot. But let's say they play service time games and they get seven years out of him. He would hit free agency at age 31 or going into his age 31 season, right? Because you'd get a seventh year out of him. Next year he's playing all year age 23. So essentially he's going to hit free agency heading into his age 31 season. Uh, is he going to sign more than a seven-year deal? Probably not. Like, so in theory, he could hit, he could either, I don't think he's going to sign an eight-year deal. And if he did, I know Churio did, but again, he's 19 years old. Um, big difference. The only reason he would sign a deal now instead of hitting free agency at 31 is because he feels like the money up front is going to be worth it. Um, and he doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like he's going to clean up on the back end. First basemen are so hard to predict. Like, we don't know how Jackson Churio is going to be. Obviously, he Jackson Churio, number one, is the number one prospect in baseball. Like, there there could be some debates out there, you know, Jackson Holiday and whatever, and uh, some people might even try to tell you Junior Caminero, but that's another story. It could be it could be Churio, it could be Jackson Holiday. Comments that was not a top-five prospect. Like, we both like him. We think he's Cleveland's best prospect, but he's not a – I don't know. Is he probably a top-50 prospect in baseball at best? Yes, I think he's probably – Top 50. Um, these are not usually the guys that get the pre-service time deals. Although, I guess probably Evan White and John Singleton were not top 50 prospects, or they were barely top 50 prospects. But those have gone horribly bad. I don't, I don't see the reason for Manzarda to do it, because how long of a deal is he really going to sign? How much money is it going to be for Cleveland? And especially given their, their TV issues, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I just don't see the benefit for him. And, I, you know, he's going to reach free agency one way or the other. The only thing it's going to do is get him on the opening day roster. And all that does for him is give Cleveland a draft pick. doesn't benefit him at all, right? Like for Churio, it gets him on the opening day roster now and it locks him up long term. But the money's not going to be the same for Manzardo. And he would hit free agency at 31 no matter what Cleveland does here. So I just don't see it. And I think it's too big of a risk because uh, it's so hard to predict. And like you said, the value of this position, you just you just don't know. Yeah, it, it, you know, yes, nearly half of the, was it, 40% of the contracts have gone to first baseman um, because they, I think, are viewed as a little bit cheaper to sign. But yeah, it just seems like, uh, I, I just wouldn't bet on it right now, and this team has never seemed to consider approaching anyone with it. Um, Lindor probably would have been the guy. I don't know if he would have considered it then, but he probably would have been 
the best candidate. And, and again, I'll just throw it out there. No one expected that dude to hit 40 home runs at any point through his minor league career. Um, even be a 30 home run guy, really. It, so it would have been smart <laughs> to do that contract then. But again, I don't know if that would have been on the table. Yeah, those are the kind of players that you do give those contracts to. The junior, the uh, junior, the Jackson Churios and the, and the Francisco Lindor. It's not to say that Manzaro is not a good prospect, but there's a big difference between being an up the middle, you know, teenage prospect or I think Lindor was 21 or whatever, and, and Manzaro is going to be 24 and he's a first base guy. And there's just a big difference in those two things. All right, could Cleveland even have the money to do that? We'll talk about their uh, TV contract situation, we'll talk about an outfielder that's out there. And uh, why Tuesday has a chance to be a franchise changing day for the Guardians? Stay tuned. Everybody's favorite topic, Jeff, is TV money, right? We all love TV money. That's that's everyone's favorite contract. It's payroll, obviously. <laughs> I'm so tired of talking about this. I really am. Just not only from a uh, standpoint of the TV contract, but just money in general. I just, I just want money to stop being a, a thing we talk about in baseball. Like, I don't want a salary cap, but I also just, I'd like to just talk about having good players and acquiring good players and how they can improve the team and not having to thread the needle. I don't know. It's the wrong, the wrong soapbox to get on today. But uh, we see some updates. So Cleveland, obviously, we know is is getting close to or the Bally wants to drop their their contract along with the Rangers. Um, Major League Baseball again is hoping to take over up to fourteen teams next year. Look, they want the baseball really wants these these contracts dropped. To be honest, because they want to go and and come in and revamp these TV. They think that they can do a better job getting more uh, games into homes. And quite frankly, it wouldn't be hard because they're doing a terrible job at it now. So there's nowhere to go, but up Uh, Cleveland though is going to lose out on what I think we said, 50, 60 million this year um, or 65 million. Uh, 60 to 65. It's been reported. Yeah. They could lose out on that from um, Cleveland from their TV deal coming into the year, but there is a chance that, or there, I think it's going to happen, right? That Cleveland, the the pool money that came from all the teams that paid the luxury tax, which was the Mets and yeah. uh, the Dodgers, I think, pa- and the Padres, well. Yankees. You know, it's it's over a hundred million dollars by report. There's over a hundred million dollars paid into that, and, and it used to go out to every team who didn't pay. Not so much anymore. Yeah, so Cleveland is going to get a uh, that money is going to go to teams that are having issues with their TV contracts. So Cleveland's going to get some money from that pool. Um, they're still going to get a percentage of their TV money, no matter what, whether it's, well, that's not, not for sure, actually, because now I just read something from um, ES from, from Yahoo sports, which by the way, Yahoo sports laid off two of their baseball writers today. And yeah. I, I'm sorry to see that. It's just that this industry is so tough. Um, two really good baseball writers, but um, last year, Major League Baseball was talking about paying up to 80% of the subsidy to the team. So the Padres, who lost their TV deal, you know, partway through last year, Major League Baseball dipped into their pool of cash reserves and paid them 80% of their TV contract. Uh, Rob Manfred did not go as far as to say that that would happen in 2024. So that money may not be on the table. But what they are prepared to do is take over any TV contract that gets dropped 
and they would again they would negotiate uh, a deal with a local cable distributor so whatever channels in cleveland would be carrying these these games uh they would sell advertising uh for the games and then the advertising money would go to the team and they'd be able to get the games to uh direct to consumer through mlb tv they drop the blackout rule restrictions um and then you'd also have you know the end market stuff from other direct to, to consumer type stuff. So the money thing, I don't know. The money thing is probably going to keep Cleveland money again. Money thing is always going to keep Cleveland from doing things, but um, they're not going to play. And, and even doesn't sound like last year's free agent waters with a Josh Bell deal. I expect like Jeff, you said before we started recording that uh, whatever they do, it might be the Mike Zanino type contract, a one year yeah. deal with somebody. So um, it, yeah, it could I've... be good in the future, but right now it's not good for this year. It's not good. But like at the same time, so the report is, you know, $40 million they should probably be able to get. And then if you look at the TV money, that could be another close to 10. They should have about 50. You know, they got 55 million last year. Maybe I'm being too generous, but, you know, looking at Ken, the Ken Rosenthal report is where I got the first statement and amount or in terms of the uh, luxury tax. And then from a Terry Pluto article said that they thought that the TV contract could be about 40. So you're looking said about close to 50. So I do worry because don't trust um baseball owners in general uh i wish they would actually show us the books and then i would trust them so i i feel like sometimes this will become an excuse but they should have a little bit of money you know speaking of just articles uh, paul hoyne's had an article that said they're not going to be in a bell type of sweeps sweepstakes but what will we see maybe they're gonna do what they've always done they're gonna sit on the periphery they're gonna see who's desperate who's left and then we'll end up with you know adam duvall or something like that um you know, because again, Zanino, Zanino was not their type. I know Duvall is not their type, but neither was Zanino. Beggars can't be choosers when you're hanging out on the fringes. Well, they have proven they'll pay money for guys who strike out if they provide yeah. solid defensive value. They have proven that. Uh, the other thing, too, about the TV contracts is, okay, so you heard Jeff say about, um, you know, about $40 million from that TV deal. So Cleveland was getting 55 to $65 million a year in that TV contract, those days are gone. Like whatever, whatever TV money Cleveland gets in the future from whatever contract they negotiate after this whole mess is cleaned up in 2024. In theory, it should be better for fans in terms of access because they would drop blackout restrictions and other weird stuff like that. Although it's still going to be expensive to, uh, <laughs> to replicate some of that, yeah. but um, teams are, are the networks are not paying as much money for baseball games anymore. Like they're not, no sports are, I mean, I guess NFL and NBA are different, but for baseball, no one's paying that much money. So whatever Cleveland was able to get before in terms of TV money, they're not going to get now. It's going to be much less than it used to be. So we'll see how that really impacts them. Hopefully some of this money from the luxury tax that they get um, to offset some of the issues can help them. And Hey, they had better attendance last year. So you would like to see that translate into something. And I keep saying on the show, the ballpark village thing. It's going to take years to build out, but it's, it's a, it's going to be there. They want that to be their long-term source of revenue. It's going to be super important for them. Okay. So we're running out of time here. The one rumor we saw today, we've been seeing this rumor. I feel like for, for a couple of years now, because he's been around for years. I can't believe he's only 27, but Tyler O'Neill, the, the Cardinals, you know, John Mazalak had a comment today saying they feel like, Tommy Edmonds, their center fielder. They've got their left fielder. You know, they've got uh, 
who's that Jordan? Uh, who's the outfielder? Why am I blanking on his name? Jordan Walker, Lord, so Jordan Lars Walker, Newpar. Lars Newpar, and they've got and Tommy they, Edmond I mean, are projected according to their thing today to be Dylan, the three outfielders. Yeah, and Dylan Carlson is their other one. Is their fourth? So, yeah, so they've pretty much said like Tyler O'Neill is they're looking to trade him, and they've been looking to trade him for the last couple of years. Just can't stay great, healthy. Yeah, he can't stay healthy. He had a great 2021. However, it's very ironic that his 2021 season where he had 34 homers, stole 15 bases, and had a 143 WRC+. plus. He had a horrid strikeout number of 31% and a walk rate of 7%, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. And his walk rates have actually gone up and his strikeout rates have gone down, which is good. But yeah, he hasn't been on the field and he has one year of club control left. So to me, Tyler O'Neill is this. He is... This is going to get everybody up enraged. Get ready for this. He is the maxed out. I'm not saying he's on steroids, but he is the maxed out roided version of Oscar Gonzalez. Like this is what would happen if Oscar Gonzalez, the hit profile actually hit for a full season. This is like, and this is why Tyler O'Neill has not been able to replicate it. Right. Because he had a 366 Babbitt. Okay. He doesn't, he didn't walk. He struck out too much. The guy doesn't hit a lot of fly balls. He hits more ground balls than fly balls. Although that 2021 year hit more fly balls. He hasn't done it since. There's a reason he couldn't replicate it. I'm not saying I'm that interested, but I don't know what it would take to get him. He's only got one year of club control left. Um, he was, he's been also almost averaged the last two years offensively, but he hasn't been healthy and nothing spectacular. He is a solid defender. I will say he can play defense everywhere and he does run well. He has a good arm. So there is that, but I don't know. I just, yeah, I listen, I've been the leader of his bandwagon since he was a Seattle Mariner. Uh, yeah. It is funny to discuss this today after Marco Gonzalez deal. Now I've been able to bring up that trade in all three segments. Tic-tac-toe, I win. But, you know, he's just not been good. As much as I have made many calls on the show for him, he hasn't been healthy enough. He hasn't rebounded enough uh, to show me that he's, he's worth the time, right? So I, what are you going to do, platoon him? Yeah, I don't know. The numbers don't necessarily say that they. Yeah. Uh, he's got big splits, so I don't know what they would do. It's uh, I don't know. Everybody's got a price. If the if the right if the right trade exists, I'm interested. But I just don't know if I'm giving up a whole lot just because he doesn't have a lot of control left, and he hasn't been on the field, and that one year is just so fluky. He has not. A, even if he was healthy, I don't think he can replicate it because again, high BABIP, um, just a bunch of weird stuff. So we'll find out. Hey, Jeff. How are you feeling about Tuesday? You excited? I can't wait. Uh, it's fun. It's the first time this team's going to be in a draft lottery. That is going to be a fantastic thing. I'm going to be streaming somewhere. So I'll have something up. Check the Twitter. If I can't get to work on here, I'll be doing it on my personal Twitter. But I'm going to cover it. It is on uh, MLB Network. So I'm going to try to watch it via my phone. Like I feel like all that stuff should also be somewhere on there. But get ready. I am excited. You should get excited. I'm also excited for everyone to follow, rate, and review, download. It helps. We've not had an iTunes review in a while, so be that person to get that shout out. Thank you for joining us every day. Make sure to subscribe and go, go, Guardians, go.